Praise the Lord, everybody. Today, <clears throat> we are continuing our teaching on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe this is our third time together dealing with this all-important subject. Uh, the third member of the triune Godhead, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, let's start off today, if you would, uh, let's read from Acts chapter 10. And I want to begin at the ninth verse. Acts chapter 10, we'll start at verse 9, and I want to talk to you today about obeying or being obedient to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's look here at Peter's vision, Acts 10, verse 9, the Bible says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In the sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, we're not going to preach on this vision today, but it is, it's a great uh, lesson for us in the church today. And one thing I will say about it, uh, our, our focus is going to come a little bit later in this passage, but one thing I will say about the vision that Peter had in the 10th chapter of Acts is this. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into truth, and the Holy Spirit will always lead us into reality, the reality of God's truth. And what I mean by that is, especially in, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, we tend to get these preconceptions about things rooted in us and grounded in us from years and years of tradition or whatever the reason, things that we think are this or we think they're that or uh, you know, th some things we are just so sure are right and other things we just so sure they're wrong and all of these preconceptions. But the Holy Spirit of God wants to lead us into the reality of those situations. And I could, I could name examples. We won't do it because if I get started on that, we'll have to deal with it a while. Uh, but the most important thing for any believer is not to memorize a set of bylaws for your church or your organization. The most important thing is not to uh, build upon the tradition of the past if it's not anchored squarely in the Word of God. The most important thing for you and I as believers is to first of all be square on the Word of God in all that we preach, teach, and believe and think and do. And secondly, it's tremendously important that we obey the promptings, the teachings, the guidance of the Holy Spirit that has been sent to indwell us as believers. This is why Jesus said, I go away but I'm going to send you the Comforter. And He's going to be in you. And He's going to bring to your remembrance the things I've taught you. Hallelujah. 
And so this is tremendously important. Let's pick up our, our narrative again. <clears throat> uh, verse 16, chapter 10, the book of Acts. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter, here it is in the 19th verse, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, and then it tells what he said. But I want to leave it there. While Peter was thinking about the vision that the Holy Ghost had given him, the Spirit then spoke to him, told him a thing. Oftentimes, the leading and the promptings of the Holy Spirit will come when we are meditating upon the Word of God. Oftentimes, they will come while we are in the process of of walking out our callings. I mean, if, if you, let's say you're called of God, and God wants you to do a particular task for the kingdom. Let's say you're called to preach. Some of you are called to be musicians. Others are called to teach Sunday school. Some of you are called as pastors. Some of us are called as pastor evangelists as, as we go and we fill in both roles at times. Whatever the calling may be, whatever the gifting from the Lord may be, you sitting on the couch are not going to receive too many promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll receive the initial prompting would be get up, get going, get moving, you know, get busy doing what I've called you to do. But it's when you're active, it's when you've taken that first step of faith. And sometimes as faith goes, we take one small step after the other. And in that process, we receive a word from the Holy Spirit. We receive the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the urging, the nudge, the, the pointing out of what direction we should go. It comes oftentimes through activity. Once we've started to be obedient, once we've taken that step of faith, and then the Holy Spirit begins to show us what he desires. I want to use as a subject just for a few moments. I'm not going to be here very long at all. Obeying the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you today that you have allowed us to spend this time with the people. Lord, I ask that you would help us to open up your word, to be clear in your word, to be accurate with your word. And Lord, show us and reveal to us the things that you would have us to know. And we give you all the praise and the glory for this. In Jesus' name, and everybody would say, Amen and Amen. One of the most important lessons that you and I could ever learn is that we need to turn daily and constantly throughout our day to the Holy Spirit for guidance on how to live. Guidance on where to go, guidance on what to do. We need to turn to the Holy Spirit, and I say turn to the Holy Spirit, the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit get involved in this process. We turn to the Lord to show us how to make decisions. 
to help us make the proper choices. Get it out of your mind that living by faith means that you are absolved of responsibility for your choices and your decisions, because you're not. Get it out of your mind that you can just take a, a whole-hum casual attitude with your life and then claim that grace will cover it, because it does not. Not willful disobedience, it doesn't. That's the key word there is willful. Grace covers all things, but we cannot set out to say, well, I'm not going to seek God for direction. I'm not going to obey when He does give me direction, and grace is just going to make it okay. It's, it doesn't work that way. We need a vital relationship with the Lord on a daily basis, and the Holy Spirit is the person of the triune Godhead that instigates and energizes that relationship. The Scripture tells us the only guide that's worth trusting in our lives is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who knows our past. From the moment we were conceived to the very moment we're living in right now. And the Holy Spirit also knows our future from this day forward throughout all of eternity. Praise God. Only He, only the Holy Spirit, and this is one area... Uh, you know the verse of Scripture in the book of Romans that in the King James Version, I don't like the translation where it says the Spirit itself makes intercession. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a he. And so the Holy Spirit, he, is the only one who fully knows God's plan and purpose for you and for me today and for every single day of our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit already knows God's plan for you and for me. He knows the plan for us both corporately and individually. And so as we begin to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, listen, He leads us into the center of God's will for our lives. Any other opinion, any opinion outside of the Holy Spirit can only offer part of the full truth. The Holy Spirit knows the full truth completely. And this is what I often say uh, as it refers to church and, and to denomination. Somebody asked me the other day, and I, I despise it when people try to put me in a box. You know what I mean? <laughs> when, when people try to you know, label you are you Baptist? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Assembly of God? Are, are you Catholic? Are you Episcopalian? You know, and I just tell people I am a Reformed Bapticostalarian because I am, you know, one thing I've learned in my life, I haven't learned near as much as I should have learned, okay? And I'm still very much in process. But one thing I have learned in my life is that there's a little bit of truth that the Baptists preach. There's a little bit of truth that the Presbyterians preach. There's a little bit of truth that the Pentecostals preach. There's a little bit of truth that the ultra-conservative fundamentalists preach. And there's a little bit of truth in what the Word of Faith preaches. There's a little bit of truth in all under the scope of Christianity. 
Yes, that's right. There's truth even among those that we do not agree with doctrinally or theologically. But yet they have some things right. And we would be dishonest to claim that they didn't. I made this statement the other day. A couple people got angry with me. But I'm going to tell you, some of what the Word of Faith preaches is right. Some of what they teach is right. And not everybody who is even preaching a motivational message has it wrong. Some of it's right. Now, we don't need a steady diet of that. But my point is, and the reason I'm a Reformed Baptocostalarian, <laughs> is because the only one who has the full truth, the only one who has the total truth, is the Holy Spirit. God Almighty is the only one that knows the complete picture. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to us in pieces of that totality. Okay? And this is why, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get off this in a second, but this is why on some of these theological, homiletical, hermeneutical, doctrinal issues, as long as it doesn't touch the essentials of the faith, we should learn to agree to disagree and to get along with one another and work together to get people saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's the bottom line on that issue. A lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's true. The Lord never said in His Word that we were to be found 100% correct at all times. He said He wanted to find us faithful. And there is room for all of our distinctives. And we can still love one another and still work together. Okay, moving right along. Jesus, in His teaching, repeatedly referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. Note what he said about the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. He said, The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. And that's in John 16, 13. So the Holy Spirit, and let's say it this way, <clears throat> the entirety of the Gospel and really the entirety of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is to edify, to uplift, to put at front and center, to exalt one person. Jesus Christ, God the Son. You hearing me? The Holy Spirit doesn't want any glory for himself as that third member of the triune Godhead. The Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus. The Bible says you can't even have a relationship with the Father unless you come through Jesus. Jesus is the focal point. Jesus is front and center of everything about God's dealing with the human race because Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for the sins of the human race. So the Holy Spirit doesn't originate. 
it's hard for us to think in human terms like this. But the Holy Spirit does it. He's not the originator of truth. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. And in the sense that as part of the Godhead, of course, He has originated truth. But truth is found in God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The third person in the role of the Holy Spirit, His efforts is to reveal that truth, that truth that comes from another world, truth that is other than we are, and He reveals it to us sinful, poor, finite human beings. The Holy Spirit reveals truths of eternal import to our hearts and lives as we follow the Lord. The Spirit of Truth is like an inner compass inside of our lives, always pointing us toward what Jesus would be. The Holy Spirit points us to what Jesus would say. The Holy Spirit points us to what Jesus would do in any given moment. God desires to make His will known to you and to me. He wants us to know what to do. He wants us to know when to do it. You see, timing matters to the Lord also. Trust, and thank God we can trust, trust the Holy Spirit to be your daily guide through life, and you will never be disappointed. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus guided every day by the Holy Spirit. After God poured out the Holy Spirit on the disciples, they too found themselves to be led in profound ways. Hallelujah. They were led by the Holy Spirit. The verses that I'm going to read to you now give us just a few examples of how the Holy Spirit dealt with His people in ways that provided very personal and very specific guidance. You see, the Holy Spirit will get personal with you. Oftentimes in the ministry, we hear the complaint from folks, or we receive the admonition from people, look, don't get too personal in your preaching. And usually they'll tack on to the end of that, you know, just preach the Word. Well, the Word and the Holy Spirit will get personal with you. Very intimate with you. About those things in your life that's not Christ-like and not godly. The Holy Spirit wants those things dealt with. We've said in previous uh, Bible studies that one of the Holy Spirit's chief functions on the earth today is to conform each believer into the very image of Christ. So how does he do that? He doesn't, you can't do it without getting personal. He's got to tell you he don't like your old ugly temper. He's got to, the Holy Spirit has to, has to convict you of sin, the Bible says. And sin is still the Christian's problem. Low self-esteem is not my problem. Socioeconomic background is not my problem. Lack of acceptance is not my problem. Lack of adjustment is not my... The problem of every human person on planet earth is sin. And the Holy Spirit's job, His function, His role is to convict us of that sin 
And he does it where the believer is concerned in an effort to conform us through his daily working in our lives into the very image of that person that we believe in, Jesus Christ, so that we begin to look like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit accelerates that in one's life. And we're going to leave that there for another time of teaching. Let's look at some verses of Scripture that shows personal and specific guidance. In Acts 11 and 12, here's what was said. The Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit prompt you? Don't get on that airplane. Don't get in that car with Billy Bob or whoever. I've had the Holy Spirit to tell me, don't go to the grocery store shopping right now. I want you to do this first, then you can go. See, I don't know what happened down there at the store. When I obeyed the Holy Spirit and didn't go at the time I planned to go, or I don't know what happened along the highway from here to the store. But my obedience to that prompting of the Holy Spirit might have saved my life. Who knows? We don't want to find out. Disobedience is a heavy, heavy price to pay. I mean, there's a heavy price associated with disobedience. And so these promptings, these, these specific personal areas of guidance can save our lives. Listen in Acts 13 too. It says, they, As they minister to the Lord, and as they fasted, the Holy Spirit said, so the Holy Spirit can speak, further illustrating to us that He is a person, not a force, not merely energy. The Holy Spirit is not merely a thought or an idea. He is a person. And He said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts 16.6, it says, Now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia uh, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit will tell us to cancel a meeting. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, Don't sign up for that meeting. Don't tell them you're going to go because I don't want you to go. So the Holy Spirit gets right down into the very personal details of our life. And the leaders of the early church relied on the Holy Spirit to give them this kind of specific personal guidance. And you and I would be wise to do likewise. In both Romans 8.14 and Galatians 5.18, it refers to our being led by the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit should be the norm of the Christian life. And you might ask, are there any conditions placed upon the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And this is what I want to look at. I want to look at those conditions today. Yes. The leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life is not automatic. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And He does not force His will upon anyone. And so there are some requirements that the believer uh, has to fulfill. 
before the Holy Spirit will move and operate within that heart and life to the capacity that He would desire to do so. The Holy Spirit will always help you all He can. But that should not be sufficient for any one of us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit of God will always help you all that He can, but that should not be good enough for us. We should want His total will. And so we have to fulfill some requirements in order for Him to be able to come and work the way that He wants to work and desires to work in our lives. Because we can hinder the Holy Spirit. Or we can quench the Spirit if we do not do what the Lord's about to show us right here. The first one is we must stay yielded to the Spirit. Let me say that again. We must stay yielded to the Spirit. We must say yes to the Spirit whenever He prompts us to take a certain action or to say a certain word. We must give mental assent to the Spirit's direction and then we must actually obey His prompting and follow through by doing or by saying what He has called us to do or say. There are too many in the church today that have the erroneous concept that they don't have to do anything. I want to tell you, obedience is not complete by simple mental assent to what the Spirit has said. Obedience must be coupled with mental assent and then going on ahead and doing what Spirit has said do. Glory to God. And so this is a requirement. Somebody asked me one time, you know, about what is the role of obedience. We hear this message of the cross. We hear this faith in grace. And it's all right. It's, it's, it's true. So what then is the role of obedience? The answer is simple. In your sanctification process, if you do not obey what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, it will stop your sanctification process at that point until you go back and do what the Holy Spirit told you to do. So yes, there is some doing involved in being a Christian. You cannot be without doing. And you won't do without being. You follow me? And it's an important point that we need to hear and we need to know in the modern church. Hallelujah. The Spirit often speaks to us in the stillness of our hearts with a word of conviction or a word of assurance when the Holy Spirit is directing us away from something harmful we very often have a heaviness or a feeling of trouble a foreboding or an uneasiness in our spirits when the Holy Spirit is directing us toward helpful things we tend to feel a deep inner peace an eagerness to see what God will do, and a feeling of joy. Hallelujah. It is so powerful to be an obedient Christian. Glory be to God. You know, you'll have so much peace, so much joy, so much inner quietness, so much, you know, so much glory 
will envelope your life if you are an obedient Christian. And if you will begin to obey those initial promptings of the Holy Spirit in your heart, the Holy Spirit will always place you where God desires you to be. And wherever that is, sometimes we don't like it, but wherever God wants us to be, it will always be beautiful. Won't always be trouble free, and it might not look beautiful to us in the flesh, but God does all things well. And so we obey those promptings of the Holy Spirit, and we become quick to obey. Let me say that again. We have to learn how to become quick to obey, prompt to do it. Oh, we need to be prompt to do it. And then the Lord truly begins to form us into image of Christ. So how can you know if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit? You're yielded to the Holy Spirit when you can say to Him, here's what I desire. But if your answer to this is no, it's alright. I'll do what you say. I'll do it your way, Lord. And if we'll keep that as the posture in which we live our lives, we will live lives of victory in Jesus. Secondly, <clears throat> what, must we, uh, what conditions must we meet before the guidance of the Holy Spirit can manifest itself in full in our lives? We must believe Him for His guidance. You're much more likely to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say if you're actually listening for Him to speak. We're much more likely to see the Holy Spirit's direction if we're looking for His signs. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We are to be diligent in seeking His guidance. Diligent in asking Him for it. Diligent in watching for it. You know, some, some people say, well, we'll pray this prayer... And we're praying diligently for this prayer request, whatever it is. But I want you to know that it doesn't stop there. We don't, we don't then just sit on our hands. The Bible says we're to be diligent in watching for His answer. Diligent in, in anticipating the answer that God is going to give to our prayer. And it's the same way in seeking God. What does it mean to seek the Lord? And a whole litany of Christian disciplines are involved in this, folks. We seek the Lord through His Word. We seek Him through listening to teachings, just like this one that you're hearing. We seek Him in listening to sermons, going to church. We seek Him in prayer. That's a big one. And we should diligently be looking for opportunity and then for answer to what we have petitioned the Lord for. And then, we should be equally as diligent in receiving His answer. So, we are diligent in asking, we are diligent in anticipating the answer, and then we are diligent in receiving the answer that we asked Him and are anticipating Him to bring. And how do we get that anticipation? Through the Word of God. 
when we know what God says about these things, and as, the, as we're studying the Word, as we're in, in prayer and Bible study, uh, in our own personal times, or even in corporate times of church or whatnot, as we're, as we're studying the Word, the Holy Spirit will speak to us and he'll, He will apply that Word. He will make it rhema to us. He will apply His Word, Logos, His general Word, He will apply specifically to, to me, to my need, to my situation. He will say, here is what I want. And then we begin to anticipate that coming into manifestation. Eagerly diligently and the word diligent carries with us we're going to make preparation hallelujah we're going to care for it i mean i've often said this if the lord gives me joy i need to tend that garden of joy if the lord gives me peace i need to i need to tend to that crop of peace that i want to see continually manifest in my life and so Christianity and, and the message of the cross is not a lazy man's faith. There's plenty to do. Hallelujah. But we do it all under the unction and the guidance and the leadership and the prompting and the birthing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that is sure to please the Lord. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal the truth to us. The Holy Spirit has come in His all-knowing ability to impart to us what we need to know in order to live obedient and faithful lives. I want, I want to close by touching on that just for a moment. The Holy Spirit, one of His main functions is the conforming us into the image of Christ that we might live obedient and faithful lives as Christians. And I want to encourage you today as we close this Bible teaching. Trust Him to guide you. Trust the Holy Spirit to guide you now and always. Every moment of every day for the rest of your life. You say, well, Brother Paxton, you know, yesterday I didn't do so good. And last year I didn't do too well. And five years ago I wasn't trusting the Lord. You know what? Start right now where you're at and trust Him for the rest of your life. And if you fall down, if you fail, if you make a mistake, if you slip up, get back up, repent over it, and God will start you back on the road of trust. And keep your trust right in what Jesus did at the cross. And that's where the Holy Spirit works. And as you're trusting in the perfect blood sacrifice of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come and begin to work in your life. He'll begin to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you, to prompt you. And as He does, obey what He tells you to do. And if you'll do that, and if you'll incorporate this little short teaching today into the rest of your life, God will take you places you never dreamed possible in Him. Father, thank You for this time with my partners. Thank You for the radio audience. Thank You, Lord God, for those who support this ministry. Father God, we are so privileged to be able to sow this teaching into their lives. And Lord, we ask You right now to touch us, every one of us, 
And send your Holy Spirit to prompt us and to guide us and lead us every day and help us to have faith and help us to believe and trust in the Lord always. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.